0: Politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to teach. Be- Not exactly sure how to start today's conversation, to be honest with you, JJ. I shouldn't be here doing what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, you, you said that. Um I disagree.
1: That's very kind, but I don't want to I don't want to spend this episode with you praising me and me pushing off your praise.
0: Well, that wasn't the intention, but I mean, I do disagree.
1: I know. I'm being facetious.
2: Okay. So, is it settled? Um,
1: I just... I feel really hesitant talking about
2: a lot of the topics that we talk about.
0: Okay. I guess it's not settled then,
2: huh? Like... There's a few topics that, I mean... I've done a lot of work, and I've read hours
1: and hours of literature, and a couple particular subjects is I've done a lot of work on evolution versus intelligent design. Like, I've read a lot, you know, hundreds of pages of material. But I guess it bugs me, because, like, one of the things that I run into is, uh, I always feel troubled by the realization that...
2: some percentage of everything that I believe is definitely wrong. Yeah, it's always going to be the case. And I
1: I don't know, I just feel very uneasy being on a platform espousing what I think is like the best explanation for some set of data. Especially when we're talking about things that are like, when people talk like we had chris on and we talked about the covid vaccine and the the myriad things that chris was bringing up and that sam was you know bringing up you know in response
2: and uh, and all of us and it's just like
1: the people that really are making that are involved in making these decisions haven't just done like Like, I've probably read, you know, a dozen hours or so worth of time reading peer-reviewed journals on the COVID crisis and different facets. Mm -hmm. Like, there are people that have done four decades of research leading up to the situation that we're in, and I don't understand their research very well, and it makes me uncomfortable to be a mouthpiece for something that I'm only you know, in the shallow end of the pool on at the best case scenario.
0: Okay. So, let's say you are, for some reason, put in a position where you are responsible for things. And your responsibility includes things that you're not particularly knowledgeable about. What would the most rational thing for you to do be?
1: The most rational thing for me to do would be to learn more about the topic.
0: Okay, but let's say you don't have time to become an expert.
1: Then, then I'm just going to have to make a call with the data I have on hand.
0: Okay. Um, would you just work off of your best understanding, or might you defer to someone else's research?
1: I mean, I would defer to someone else's research if I was, that research was available to be
2: deferred to. Okay. If
0: somebody thinks they're highly qualified but they haven't done that degree of research and they would have, let's say they have a really high degree of confidence in their position, what might you do if
2: they aren't confronted by an expert? Like if I was confronted by an expert that disagreed with me?
0: No, if, if somebody else had oh. an opinion that was ill-informed, but they're really confident in their position, and there is no expert standing in the room, and you're the other person in the room.
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to push back with the, the, the reasons that I disagree, and I'm going to try to couch them and hedge them in the space where I don't have confidence. Okay.
2: And hopefully the people that are listening to the two of us dialogue, they're able to discern that I should be trusted more than the other guy.
1: But sometimes I get worried that that's just a
2: battle of rhetoric. Like we're both, take me and the other guy. mm Mm-hmm. He's ill-informed, according to my best understanding. Uh-huh. He's way more confident in the accuracy of his beliefs, and uh, you know whether or not he wins those people over is almost a a
1: a question, a question more of rhetoric than. You know the data.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a very real thing. Uh, People get into debates um, to look better and sound more convincing, not necessarily to be right. So that is a thing. However, someone can also use rhetoric to point out flaws in logic and somebody's lack of expertise on a subject, and then you can also defer to... Actual data, which what I, I, I would think would be the responsible thing or the, the responsible way to use rhetoric. Right? Yeah, but,
1: like, I feel like that that's talking about the object in a box. Like, I don't think that I'm good enough to be that person. Why not? Because I'm, I'm aware of how many mistakes I make. And I'm aware ah. that many of the mistakes that I make, when I made them, I didn't think they were mistakes, so anything that I believe now Mm -hmm. could be just as mistaken. It feels the same as the mistake did back when I was making the mistake.
0: Do you know who uh, Chris Thiele is? Yep. Mandolin player. Oh, I played. I I played banjo with him. Yeah. Um. (laughs) It's a long time ago. Okay. (laughs) Um, It was when I was.
1: We were. I think we were both (laughs) twelve.
0: That's awesome. Um. I went to one of Nickel Creek's concerts in Knoxville. And uh, after the show, we, we stayed after to kind of, you know, talk to them behind the, behind the, the place there. And uh, they came out and talked to us. And my friend asked him a mandolin question. I forget what the question was at this point. Um, what actually really surprised me was his response was that he didn't feel like he was accomplished enough to be qualified to answer the question. And I've run across this a number of times. Um, Bela Fleck, possibly one of the you know world's most highly renowned banjo players. He's my favorite. Um, yeah, mine too. Uh, I grew up on on uh, the Flecktones, but uh, I mean, he's an r- incredibly humble person. I think part of what influences his attitude is that he's good enough to realize how much better he could be and how bad he is, which is better than pretty much everybody else. There's a phenomenon <laughs> that I know you're very aware of that there's a name for that phenomenon. You know what it is?
1: Imposter syndrome.
0: No, it's the Dunning Kruger effect.
1: Oh the other one. The yeah opposite. the other one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, imposter syndrome, I mean, can can apply to people who just don't feel qualified, you know, to uh whatever it is they're doing. But the Dunning Kruger effect, it's just uncanny. Like you have people that slightly know about a subject and they're really confident because they just learned this thing. And then, as they go through the process of learning more and more, they realize how wrong they're capable of being, and, you know, how wrong they've been in the past, which just drives your confidence ever lower and lower. And at some point, you can be actually more knowledgeable about many things than everybody standing around you and yet be less confident in your position than any of them we already know that this is a thing i'm not even sure. i'm not making it up i mean it's 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 a thing and you strike I, me as I, one I of see those it all people. the people yeah i mean i don't think that you're a particularly arrogant person i think you're <sighs> From the time that I've known you, you've never struck me as particularly arrogant. Now, anytime you've been pretty confident, you've pretty well always had really good argumentation to back up whatever conclusion you've come to because you really, really researched that subject. And so when you do get into our, when we get into our Facebook fights with people on online, you know, mudslinging, it's pretty evident when somebody who's really confident but has no clue what they're talking about gets into an argument and you just start picking up picking up part their argument because you do know what you're talking about. I don't think that's arrogance. I think that's I think that's fairly justified confidence because you actually know you can explain the concepts that you're that you know, that you're subscribed to, and you can point to all the evidence that supports it. I think that's reasonable. I don't think that's at all unreasonable. I don't know that you've done anything on the show or even around any of the arguing that I've watched you do that, at least in the time that I've known you, that has really been unreasonable or ill-informed, even if you're not always right. Like, have you ever claimed to be an expert on something on the show? No. Um, uh, have I'll, you? I'll... I mean, have you ever overstated your knowledge of something on the show? Uh, no. Are the topics that we've talked about controversial and uh, complex?
1: Yeah, they're really complex.
0: Are people bound to get some details about those wrong? Yeah. Is it possible that you can have some details wrong and still have a positive influence on people's perspective of something?
1: I mean, I hope so.
0: I don't see where, I... other than, you know, the, the Dunning-Kruger effect just doing its thing, I, I don't see where you've really gone wrong.
1: I'm just wary like I really like, you know, when we were talking about like trans issues. Hmm. I liked all the voices that we had on the podcast. I didn't like my voice.
0: Oh, dude! I don't even listen to old episodes because I cringe when I hear myself talk.
1: <laughs> no, I had not the sound. I love the sound of my voice. Oh man, okay. I'm sexy. Okay, but
0: I, I don't share that with you. I also am like I don't like the things that I say or the way that I say them, but it is what it is. I just, it's such a small space,
1: and we have such a lofty goal. You have such a lofty goal for this space that it, you know, that it makes people better off, because if they join this space, they'll walk away a little more informed and a little better prepared to make some kind of decision in the future. That's a really lofty goal.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, that does come with some experience. I've had conversations with people that I disagreed with and walked away learning things that I didn't know
1: sure, I mean we the compatibilist episode is a great example of me clearly walking away having learned something
0: I mean, I used to believe the universe was ten thousand years old.
1: That's a tough claim to prove we would have had yeah. words on Facebook
0: yeah, well, yeah, and when I heard criticisms of that belief to somebody who claimed to be a geologist, he had really bad answers, and that just stuck with me for a long time. I think that those kinds of confrontational or at least critical conversations can be beneficial.
2: That, yeah, I think, and I don't think that they're unimportant.
1: I just think that they're really important. And... uh you know, it's I, I happen to be the representative that is here. You know, I got the job, even though somebody else may be better qualified for it.
0: Somebody will always be more qualified, but there's always going to be people who are have a bigger platform as well. I mean, do you think Ben Shapiro is really qualified for the position that he has?
1: I mean, if the position is grifting people, then yeah, he's really good
0: at it. Well, that's not what people think that he's supposed to be doing. It's not why people listen to him. And and I think that 10% of the time, he's genuine. But is he wrong?
1: Oh, about a lot of things. I don't know about a lot
2: of stuff. (laughs) About a lot of things, yeah, he's way off base.
0: Yeah, and yet, there he is.
2: Yeah, I
1: guess I'm not the worst off of the bunch. (laughs) I mean, Alex (laughs) Jones was a thing for a long time.
0: I mean, they have way bigger platforms than you or I will ever dream of having, and they're just doing harm. Maybe we need to be more harmful. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with being... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can be more aggressive and mean if, that's, if that counts. You know... Like... I don't want to actually do harm to listeners, though. I I want to at least, and I don't even necessarily want to present everything that I say as being true. I just want to be able to tear down things that are obviously not.
2: Yeah, it takes a long time to know what's not true.
1: And I think a lot of people don't appreciate how much work goes into it.
0: It's true.
1: Well, like, uh, I mean, the reason I don't believe in the Christian God anymore is cuz I lost a Facebook debate
2: over evolution cuz I was an mm-hmm. old earth creationist. You know, and I believed in kinds.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh I argued with this guy on Facebook. It was probably like 3 days worth of arguing. Like where I did very little else. I mean, hours and hours and hours, and I'd go and research stuff and come back to the post and give responses, and this went for about three days, and then uh, I'd looked at a bunch of that data, and then I went, you know, my claim for this data doesn't explain the data set as well as this guy's.
3: Uh
1: And, you know, I continued to look into it, and then, uh, now I'm really convinced, Uh but, uh you know, it was from that that I was like, you know, if that miracle claim in the Bible's not true, like it's just not true, I should probably assume that they're not all true until proven otherwise. Bingo. And when I started doing that, I uh I really stopped believing in any part of the magical part of the Bible.
0: Like the exact same process that I went through
1: like I didn't do it because I hated God, I didn't do yeah. it cause of the problem of evil, I did it cause God just wasn't as interesting an explanation,
0: yeah, same i at some point, I couldn't convince myself that it was true, and that's when it just kind of you know the 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 house of cards fell over, yeah and Especially it fell over. The, the more you look into it, the more you start realizing it's not just, you know, substantial evidence, it's literal mountains of it, um, in support of, you know, like biological evolution. That's just, that's one of those things that the more you learn, the harder it is to deny that it's true. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was the one thing that got me to question everything. And the more I questioned, the more I had to challenge my own belief system and had to restructure it and i don't think that that would have ever happened had i not seen people criticizing something that i believed
2: i
1: did a debate once with a couple of uh, intelligent design creationist guys and uh we all did you know eight minute speeches and they had fancy presentations and i spent all eight minutes simply talking about why we should listen to experts.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Like, I didn't talk about the evidence. I didn't come there trying to think, man, if I come up with, like, three p- you know, key interesting pieces of evidence, people are going to look at that and think that the 16 minutes of fancy slideshows they saw otherwise were clearly false. Like, that's not—they aren't the experts. We shouldn't be presenting them with the data that we would present experts to get an expert opinion,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's it's just like people don't appreciate how much expertise
2: goes into conclusions anymore. I agree. Like, like they see how an engine works in
1: a in a video, and they see an old Sterling engine or maybe an old you know train engine. And they see a little picture of, you know, like they've got the boiler part of the train and the firebox and, you know, the pistons, are, they tur- get turned. Um, I'm not actually sure how a train works. I know the basic properties of an internal combustion engine, though, <laughs> or a steam engine. But, you know, you just see these diagrams. And now that I've been working on cars for just a little bit, you learn the nuances of why a... Th- three and five sixteenth engine port has these advantages over a three and eleven thirty second piston chamber. Like there's a mathematical reason for layers and layers and layers. And this Mm -hmm. is true of all things
2: involving experts. Right. Experts in these topics are so smart like it if it, it makes me
1: uncomfortable to even talk about the topic knowing that there are experts out there <laughs> the best thing that i can do is go to people and say this is what the experts say
0: i i think that's the most responsible thing that you can do is recognize your limitations for what you know and what you don't know And when you reach the end of what you do know, you know, point towards those who actually do understand it really well. Not that they'll be able to explain it in such a way that people can understand, but just that they have conclusions and that those conclusions have been, you know, uh, come to by a lot of people from a lot of different angles. And I think that's, that's valuable in itself, just being able to, be that kind of a voice of reason of, you know, don't just listen to this guy who's really confident. Listen to somebody who actually has the knowledge to back up, you know, what it is that they're, they're claiming. Um,
2: And it's, it's also difficult for people
1: to suss out the difference between established expert consensus and expert opinion on a developing subject. It's true. Like, as much as it pains me to say this, there is a certain degree of hesitancy we should treat expert opinion that comes out during the coronavirus epidemic.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's limited knowledge. We don't have the experience of how this plays out yet. It's happening in real time. Like, have
1: you seen the thing about, like, this report that's apparently, like, four workers at that Wuhan coronavirus lab Hmm. had gotten sick? In November of 2019?
0: No, I hadn't seen that. Like,
1: it's super circumstantial. So, like, I'm not getting my panties all
2: up in a wad. <laughs> but apparently, it's getting confirmed. Hang on. We're here. I've got the Google, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, we got all night. You know? Let's it's... see. Of course, the New York Post is eating, eating this up. Like, it's.
0: Candy, right? Um, Media is always going to do. They're going to jump on whatever and sensationalize it. I mean, and it's not very much, and that's it's part of the problem.
1: Like, because I've already seen, oh lord, no, I don't want to buy a subscription. I'm not that rich.
0: Oh, uh, go into.
2: Uh, I know. Um, I know. Incognito. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, this one's a smart website. It knows. Oh.
1: That's okay. They're not the only place. So yeah, Perfect there's a, apparently a United States intelligence report that identified three Wuhan lab researchers who fell ill in November of 2019 with COVID symptoms. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's it. They can neither confirm nor deny that they got sick from COVID 19 because of their relationship with the lab.
0: Ultimately, that doesn't change the reality of it, though, right? I mean, no, it
1: doesn't mean that COVID 19 is not real. It just means (laughs) Fauci was wrong when Fauci said this is what it would mean that if this was lab grown, like that, you know, if you connect a whole bunch of dots that you don't have data to, to connect, right, then Fauci would have been wrong in that one claim
0: which something that big and that complicated, you're bound to get some things wrong. Uh, Uh, That doesn't necessarily change the reality that we exist in, but um, I'm fine with that being a possibility.
2: Yeah, it doesn't, like, you know, break the bank. But
1: it's like for people that have dismissed all of the expert opinion, they point to something like this and say, "This is a reason to dismiss the expert opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. well, it's like people regularly do that with science. oh well, science was wrong about something in the past, so we can't believe anything that it says, yeah, even when it was just refining itself and getting more and more accurate <laughs> it's right like and, and
1: and and they will they will slip that in. In substitution, like a situation like this, mm-hmm. in substitution for something that's already a well-established scientific fact. Right. Like they would use an example like this to challenge the reality of evolution. You should not tr- trust experts. Right. Of course, I say this with sweeping grand jet, you know, statements, and, and I probably shouldn't. It's easy to straw man positions we don't like.
0: Well, especially when you've actually run across those actual positions. (laughs) Um, That's not everybody's position, but I have definitely heard exactly that argument of, well, you know, evolutionists were wrong about this detail, so um, why should you trust them? It's like, well, first of all, they're not evolutionists, they're just biologists, and they're like the vast majority of everybody in a relative you know, relevant field of study agrees Mm -hmm. on this conclusion. Um, I think you're right. I think that people don't have the ability to truly appreciate, including myself. There are a great many things that I can't, I I don't have the capability of truly appreciating because I don't understand them well enough to appreciate them for, you know, what they are. Um, But I don't think that should stop us from talking about things or being critical and pointing towards, you know, actual experts. It's just one small part. You know, have, have conversations that are productive and, you know, will maybe cause people to think. Because that certainly worked for me. Um, had no one ever challenged anything that I believed, uh, even if it was not always directly to me, um, I may have never really questioned it. And to be clear, I mean, I wasn't initially hearing biologists criticize creationists. I was hearing, you know, like people who were into philosophy or just people who were just kind of generally sort of scientifically savvy, but not like experts. But they were continually pointing towards, you no, know, this is the consensus. Here's the data. You can, you can back, if you look, it's there. And sure enough, whenever I looked, it was there. And I think just having those conversations were valuable in their own right.
2: You know, I guess it's part of the process. I also think that it is possible if
0: enough people don't talk about issues, then... People never really think about them. I think just the talking about issues can bring them into the spotlight in, you know, public discourse. Um, Conservatives definitely do a lot of that, and I definitely disagree with them, but should I just not ever voice that disagreement because I'm not an expert? They're certainly not. I mean, on certain things, like I might disagree with a conservative on economics and they may actually be right about a lot of things that I don't have any clue what I'm talking about. But then when we're talking about gay rights, they probably aren't operating on a very rational plane (laughs) where I might have quite a bit more experience and understanding of that community. I mean, it's a tough
2: pickle. Like... Yeah, I'm not sure what to make out with a lot of it.
1: You know, a lot, like, there are very, very, very few people that
2: oppose gay rights for non-religious reasons. Yeah. And, like, it's hard to, you
1: know, address the root of that problem. Because there's a lot of Christians and there's a lot of them that are really smart like they're way smarter like if we had Cameron Bertruzzi on here who I'm mm-hmm. not a fan of um and like I'm not he's not even like I'm not naming like you know Alexander Proust or you know Richard Swinburne or William Lane Craig oh the name <laughs> makes me cringe man like, he does such good philosophical work, but when he talks, he just reminds me of a used car salesman that got into Bibles.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kind of does, doesn't he?
1: Like, he just sounds like somebody that's really trying to sell me something. And, you know, it it, it remembers all the onion that's in it, but not any of the poo. <laughs> but, you know, that's his. that's his presentation persona like he does really really strong classical like analytical philosophy Mm -hmm. in the field of religion and i have no shame in saying it i don't think there's a single topic that we could talk about like if he came on the podcast and he looked at me and said you can talk about whatever we want and i don't think that there's a single topic that we would disagree on that he would not do better than i would
2: I mean, that's quite possible. That's quite... Like, I would bet a month's worth of my salary on getting drug
0: real bad. <laughs> well, and that might depend, because ultimately, rhetoric is just a tool to get, to convince people, and... <sighs> As good as your rhetoric might be, it may never be good enough to convince somebody that magic is real.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm really not sold on the idea that we can take a minimal set of facts and reasonably conclude that a guy came back to life. Right. Like, I don't know why, like, I've listened to William Lane Craig make the minimal facts argument many, many times. Uh-huh. And he
2: does it so well. And I am just, like,
0: not at all convinced. Right. Well, I mean, as good maybe as he I'm is Maybe I'm just at, biased. Or, as good as he is at what he's saying, maybe the concept that he's trying to sell you is just too much to buy. I mean, that is a really hard sell.
2: Yeah. Like, I think my bar's higher for dead people coming back to life.
0: (laughs) I don't think that's unreasonable.
1: You know, it'll it'll start with, the like, it starts with the, you know what would really convince me of the Christian God? If there was a church where amputees could go and get prayed on and regularly regrow limbs, (laughs) and it only happened at that church, let's say at some Reformed Baptist church or something, you know, because it wouldn't be them because they're... a bit Calvinist for that kind of <laughs> thought pattern, but like you, know, there are there are churches like you know like the snake handling churches. Like there are churches that believe that their God used to do miracles, and mm-hmm. sometimes still does miracles. But never once has there been a documented amputee, that has been a documented limb regrower, mm-hmm. and the only correlate that they can find in that person's past. Was that before they had the limb back, they went to some church revival, and everybody prayed on them. And God came in with this mighty power that they say that this God has displayed through the, the scriptures. Like, we're talking held the sun in place for six hours so dudes could win a battle and commit some Wait, genocide. Except Ready? that you
0: can't—the sun is— Essentially stationary and... I our... will give
1: them a pass for poetic language. <laughs> but the principle, the experience, yeah, would still be very, very, you know, far beyond regrowing limbs. Like, the Earth weighs like, God, what is it, seven sextillion tons or something like that? I have no idea. Uh, it's really heavy. And that would mean if you're going to stop the sun in the sky, that'd mean you'd have to h- mute the inertia of 7 destroy the planet yeah how heavy i want to know we, now
0: we would all fly off the planet
1: well you'd have that's why i said you'd have to mute inertia it wouldn't yeah. just be to stop the earth but it would be to dampen inertia for the region of space that the earth was in for 6 hours now this is really really tricky cuz that means that either one you'd have to do it just in the relation of the earth to the sun Because the Earth's going around the Sun, but the Earth stays in the same vector that it's going through the galaxy. Because, you know, we're going around the center of the galaxy right now. Like, we're cruising.
0: That's true. The Sun is traveling at a high rate of speed.
1: Extraordinarily. So another way you could get around it would be to stop the Earth and the Sun. But then you have that the Earth and the Sun stopped in relation to all of the other things in the
2: galaxy.
0: Well, you forgot one option
2: magic yes
1: and magic and i want to do the Explains jazz hands. everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's the it's the explanation that answers everything
1: oh i was i was a little
2: bit off it is uh in pounds
1: <laughs> terrible scientific notation What's 10 to the 25 zeros?
0: Ugh, I don't have a calculator,
1: Andy. No, I know how many zeros it is. I want oh, to know what, uh, the I don't know
0: that number. I have no idea what you would call that number.
1: Uh, Oh, thank you, Wikipedia. Names of large numbers. <laughs> that would be 10 to 25. So that is 20 septillion pounds. A little over 20. that it? You know, 26. Septillion pounds, so you bad. divide that by a factor of a thousand, that'd be 2.6 septillion tons, according to this Google searching I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, and I'm doing this in a rush, so I'm not checking my homework, so if I'm off by a factor of, a, a, you know, a thousand, forgive me. Oh no! It is sextillion. Yeah. Two sextillion tons, oh, not okay. seven. It's
3: That's a That's not too
1: bad. Yeah, it's definitely not a problem. Like, it's just easier to explain that as though it's the same kind of myth that exists in
2: every other culture in history. And those myths, you know,
1: like, if it looks like a myth and smells like a myth and acts like a myth, but in this one special case... God had to kill himself so he became a human but was still himself and then killed himself so that he could come back as himself after three days. As a so sacrifice
0: that, to himself, mind you. Right.
1: So that he didn't have to kill all of us. Right. Because of all the
2: After canceling the first two of us for an apple. Yeah, that's. I'm being a bit snarky,
1: but there's no, like some people like try to deal with this by, you know, arguing for like a not triune God. Like Jesus wasn't God. Jesus was just
2: the perfect sacrifice. But none of this gets you, gets us out of the problem. Mainly that this looks entirely like a myth. And everything's way easier to explain if you call it a myth. Yeah. So,
0: having gone through the process of having your own beliefs shattered and having to realize just how wrong you could be about things, would you say that you're pretty self-critical? No. Not as much as it should be. Are you more self-critical than a lot of people? Probably. Okay.
1: I think a so, lot of people don't even know where to start.
0: So your position then is that you're not self-critical enough, but you're probably more self-critical than most.
1: Yeah, but I don't have any real good reasons. Like I don't give a lot of credence to that because I don't have a reason to know that I should be more certain of that versus something else. Wait, what do you mean? Like, I think that I am not very self-critical, but I think that I am more self-critical than a lot of people. Okay. I don't really know what degree. I don't know that it's actually a lot of people. Like, I, th- the more I think about that claim, the less certain I am that I should adhere to it in any meaningful way. <laughs> I don't have a good tool to compare my self-criticism to the self-criticism other selves would be experiencing.
0: Okay. That's a black what? box to me. What about just among podcasters? Man, there are so many of us now. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a podcast. They're coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Would you say you might be more more critical of yourself than many of those people? No, nope, same problem. But I think that
1: I am at but least. But you do
0: think you think that you should be more self-critical. That's your opinion, right? I I do, and I think that I am. Well, man, like, it's just, you run into epistemological problems doing this. Like, the fact that you're struggling so much with this answer is so telling in and of itself. Like, it's really hard to make claims about this answer. We're really analyzing you right now. J.J. gets analyzed on Well,
1: uh, You know, it's like it, it's, it's been kind of—and, like, we're going to have a buddy of mine hopefully come on the podcast next month. And, you know, I've mentioned p- p- panpsychism a couple times on the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he, he is a doctor of philosophy, and he's extraordinarily smart. I'll talk more in depth about, like, he does a series on the philosophy, history of the philosophy of science. Mm-hmm. That is literally, it's, it's a must-consume on YouTube for anybody that's remotely interested in the topic of science. Um, but he's going to tell me why
0: panpsychism is dumb.
1: <laughs> and so... It's
0: like, I don't I've know enough about say, it to know what how much of it I agree or disagree with.
1: And I don't either, but... I also don't want to be like, so you're coming on, I'm going to find this other guy that's really into panpsychism, you two duke it out. <laughs> like, I'd be more interested in doing that after we provide both of them with a platform. Because mm-hmm. this isn't a question that I have like a vested interest in, in the sense, like, like, I think it's important to society that we all just accept that evolution by natural selection is the process. There shouldn't be a discussion on this in this country. Right. Whereas, like, I've got a dog in that fight because there are reasons to, if we were making bets, to bet on that. Like, by, like, you know, we just mentioned the number sextillion. I would be willing to bet a sextillion dollars of other people's (laughs) money that evolution by natural selection is how life operates.
0: And that understanding influences so much of, you know, the scientific progress that we've made. Um, I mean, viruses operate on that principle. They mutate and evolve over time, and we have to continually compensate for that with, you know, like flu vaccines. Um, There's lots, man. We we could just sit here on a
1: podcast and just, (laughs) you know, hang out. We'll just, like... I'll, you know, catch a real strong buzz, and we'll talk about talk origins, <laughs> and, you know, we can, like, sometimes Aaron Raw, who I love, have you met yeah. Aaron Raw?
0: I've never met him, but I've Man, talked to him Man, he's the coolest
1: online. dude.
0: You know, it, I've met him a couple times. He seems times. like the coolest dude.
1: He's so much fun. You know, we laughed and laughed. He probably wouldn't remember me at all, because he's, <laughs> you know, he meets, like, thousands of people thousands all the time, people, yeah. and I'm just the music director at this one secular community. Hey.
0: I will say, I, I emailed him years ago when I was starting a blog, and he actually took time out of his day to have a really well-thought-out response to me. So, I, he, I mean, him and a number of, of people kind of, of his caliber, um, it's always really surprising to see people that you look up to and are fairly well-known who will just give you the time of day. You can tell he's a really cool person.
1: It, oh, I got a great story like that. While we're kind of drifting among, since this is kind of a loose podcast episode, I we're was reading out. Grand Prix. The in fact, the guy that's coming on to tell me why panpsychism is 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 very sus <laughs> introduced me to Graham Priest, and Graham Priest is like the OG of dialetheism, mm-hmm. which is the idea that there can be contradictions in nature, there can exist paradoxes in nature. Okay. And, uh, like, it's really, like, when I, to touch back on expertise, I got his book one. One is the most difficult thing I have ever tried to process, and I could not do it. I do not think I am smart enough to dialogue about the topic of paradoxes actually existing using logical notation. Like, the Uh book is 20% symbolic logic proof. You know, like, you've seen, like, you ever seen the chalkboard with the really complicated mathematical equations? Uh
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like that, but with different symbols for logic. Uh Some of which he made up. (laughs) Because we were, I was talking about one of these formulas with a friend of mine who is really smart. His name's Don, and he, uh, He's super bright. You probably might know him from your brief stint oh. in Kansas City.
0: Uh, I never met him, but uh, he's the physicist, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah that, that dog. I'm friends with him on Facebook, but I don't know him from in person.
1: We should get him on sometime, because he'd be a hoot. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's so... It's ridiculous how much smarter he is than me. Um, <laughs> And same with, like, you know, Aaron Raw is just extraordinarily brilliant. And... Uh, what was I talking about, Aaron Raw? I swear to God, I'm sober too. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's the um, problem. Man, yeah, it might be the problem.
1: <laughs> um I was just, but so to, to finish up the tangent so that we can start rolling it back. Mm-hmm. Um I wrote Graham Priest asking him for an explanation for one of these objects that he'd used in his proof. Mm-hmm. Like just in an email. I was like, I probably will never hear about that. And he wrote me back. And it was really nice. It's like, oh, this is what we're doing with this. And that's a fracture. And it represents this. I don't even remember what it was now because it was really complicated. But like, it'd be like, you know, either of us going to Don Tobin and being like, so can you walk us through this four year transform?
0: I wouldn't follow the first.
2: That's one how I felt reading one. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: <But> yeah. <laughs> then there's people like whenever I first came to Kansas city, um, one of the very first things I did was I was, I was still kind of fresh out of religion and looking for groups to socialize with. I I was back then I was kind of into the meetup group stuff. So I joined, uh, the Kansas city, which group was it? I think it was the, uh, it was atheist no it was the debate group or the uh provocateurs and provocateurs yes that's Fred Fred Heron was
1: on my debate team for that evolution debate I did because he is a Christian that believes in evolution he's a cool guy Um, oh he's super nice we're supposed to get together someday and listen to Pink Floyd
0: (laughs) I went to a couple of those meetups and I also joined the KCAC uh meetup group and I was perusing through you know just to see how many members there were and i saw daryl ray in there and i had just finished his uh book uh the sex and god book which like fresh out of religion i still had all these religious ideas about sexuality he wrote a book on it that challenged everything that i believed and it wasn't even that complex like it was really approachable and easy to consume but challenging and i really liked that Um, and so just seeing that he was in the group, I I didn't realize he lived in Kansas city. So I just sent him a message through there and was like, Hey, um, really appreciate, uh, your books. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, you know, thank you for your contributions. Cause, uh, um, just kind of reading through some of your books really did change a lot of my views and it's caused me to challenge some things and I've had to rethink a lot of things. And he it was one of those, you know, kind of responses we were talking about where you reach out to somebody who you really look up to and they actually give you the, you know, give you some attention. He, uh, he responded back and uh, offered to, uh, uh, he said, well, I'm giving a talk. Do you want to come to one of my talks? I'm like, sure. And I think it was like the day of he, he reached out again and said, I messed up. Turns out the talk actually is in Topeka. I got my schedule mixed up. Would you guys like to ride with me? I'll I'll drive. Uh, I'll take you over to Topeka as my guests. <laughs> nice. And that was that was my introduction to uh, Daryl Ray. And then he, at one of his big massive parties at his house, the Memorial Day party or one of those. Oh man, I got in bad um,
1: trouble at one of those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we went to one of those, and he introduced us to a lot of the people at the KCAC, and and we made a lot of friends there. I was only there for a few months. And I still have more friends from Kansas City than I do in Columbus, where I live now, and I've been here for seven years. Um, you guys are just a cool group of people. But it's uh, all me. <laughs> I knew you were at the heart of it <laughs> all along. I didn't know you, but I knew you had to be responsible. Yeah, that's but no. A lie. Um, I mean. Daryl's also not one of those people that's like super arrogant, but he's really competent. Um, he's fairly knowledgeable uh, about the things that he talks about. I mean, certainly to a, a degree that he's definitely competent. Um, I think I, he's I'd a call good him leader. An expert on the topic. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, and interestingly, like he has a lot of confidence, but he's also not arrogant about it. And he seems considerate and willing to, you know, look at himself critically and try to be objective. Um, I was going to ask you earlier, um, the president of the United States might arguably be one of maybe like the most powerful positions in the world, arguably. Sure. Would you maybe sort of agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we could split hairs, but you know, surely there's like an upper echelon of power, yeah. and that job is there.
0: It's, yeah, it's, it's up there. Um, you could have, definitely have a lot of influence over world affairs. Do you think that—would you rather have somebody in that position who's incredibly self-confident or doesn't feel qualified for the position. I mean, we just went through four years of incredibly self-confident.
2: I
1: don't know enough to tell you. My gut reaction would be...
0: I mean, you're a voter. Well, it do doesn't have matter. A, you have an <laughs> input, though. You you have a say in where you would put your vote.
1: Right, but if you asked me to vote on whether there was an even number or an odd number of hydrogen atoms in the universe, I would still be just as clueless.
0: Okay, would you rather vote for Donald Trump or somebody who thinks that they're not smart enough to run the entire country?
1: I'd rather vote for neither of those two candidates.
0: Arguably, don't you think the person who thinks that they're not smart enough might surround themselves with experts who are?
1: No, well, let, me, let, me, let me parse. I misunderstood you.
0: Not, I didn't say not competent. I said not smart enough to or not enough of an expert in leading the country to feel like they're qualified.
1: Um, I think that knowing that you need experts around you is part of the qualifications for that
0: job. Bingo. If you think that you don't need help or that you're the great savior of the world, you're not going to do that, right? Yeah. So it's precisely the person who has some self-doubt who is the most qualified person because of the fact that they, they're rational enough to realize that they aren't perfect and they're not going to be able to do everything and they need help. And they should defer to people with expertise.
2: Um, And I, I guess that's like, I just don't stomp
1: on, I, I just don't stump for that as much as I'd like to. It's it's not that I'm not an expert. No one should listen to me. It's just I want to
2: better display why and how we should look at expert consensus. I think that's and I, fair. I, I need to be a better
1: advocate for that. I am I unsatisfied fact... with my advocacy there.
0: I, I think the fact that you recognize that makes you more qualified to do it. Maybe. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's going to motivate you to work towards that. I don't know. I'm pretty old and tired now, Thomas. Ah, I've seen you on Facebook. <laughs> I'm an old man. Dude, anyone who can, who can weather some of those arguments is not too tired.
1: Oh, it's exhausting. It's, I don't do it like I used to.
0: I know, but you're you're pretty good at it. At the very least it's very entertaining. <laughs>
1: it's you know, if, if nothing else, for the rabble.
0: Hey, how about that? If if nothing else, we can entertain people, right? Well
1: yeah, but not with a voice like this. What do you mean? Something sultry, soft. That's what we need on here. Where's your wife?
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's watching TV downstairs.
1: Oh, yeah. Tell her
0: I said hi. Um, she and I'm she giving did her... say hi, by the way. Oh, yeah. And I'm giving her yeah. sass on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I'll tell her to listen to this episode. towards the end? <laughs> I almost called you out last episode with Daryl for not showing up, but I, I didn't. I forgot Oh, to. it would have been fair. Yeah. I, I, I was going to. I had every intention, and I totally forgot. I got distracted by the conversation.
1: Yeah, and I'd like Daryl. I, I always or certainly would have enjoyed talking to him. He's a cool person.
0: Any final thoughts before you uh leave and I trash talk you?
1: No, nah, I think that that was the final thought. Like it's just I want to make sure that I'm doing a better job pointing out how and why expert consensus is is especially established expert consensus Far outstrips the average person's opinion. Like, if you have an opinion that disagrees with well-established consensus and you are not an expert, you should never bet money on being right. You may want to be right,
0: but it's a terrible way to take risks. Hey, I mean, that's even, arguably, um, at least in some ways, a Christian value is uh, humility. Oh, I don't have a lot of that. (laughs) (laughs) At least don't be, you know, cocky.
1: All right. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for talking about this with me.
0: Yeah. I I knew you just needed to get out of your system, so you can (laughs) go on to uh, be extra super critical of ideas as we continue on, because you're not getting out of it that easy. Oh, man. I thought this was it. Not really. (laughs) I knew you were trying to fire yourself, but I'm your boss, and... I I'll just hire you right back. I'll oh, fire you it. and hire you. You better double my salary. I'll triple it.
1: Oh. You can have
0: triple as so of right trippy. now. Yep. Thanks for uh, thanks for wasting another hour of your life with me on analyzed. Anybody out there who would like to become a guest and trash talk JJ and see how well you can do? By all means, go to our website, analyzedpodcast.com. Fill out the Become a Guest form. Um, feel free to leave us reviews on things like Apple Podcasts. It uh, helps the ratings of the show. Um, you can join the Patreon or not. I don't really care, as long as you're listening. Otherwise, thanks for joining us. Have a good rest of your week. See you next time.